When you're an American Express Platinum Card member, don't be surprised if you say things like, Chef, what course are we on? I've, I've lost count. Or, shoot that, shoot that! And even, checkout's not until four, so. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants, elevated experiences at live events, and 4 p.m. late checkout at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. Martha Stewart, the original influencer. When I think about anything, I think about the way that she did it first. The media mogul. The six years ahead, she saw what was coming. The prisoner, the rise, the fall, and the reinvention of an American icon. Once Martha paved the road, everybody else pretty much copied her. A CNN original series, The Many Lives of Martha Stewart, now streaming on Max. I'm Antonia Blythe, and this is 20 Questions on Deadline. Joining me today is Alison Bree. Welcome, Alison. We got second place in my seventh grade lip sync contest for one of the songs on that album. The one that was like, you've already won me over. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. It's like very of all slow. The, of all the options. In spite of me. <laughs> like, what did we do? It's so slow. Don't forget to listen to 20 Questions on Deadline. Thank you again, Alison. Thank you. Are you looking to step up to a 4K smart TV? One that gives you unparalleled clarity and picture resolution? Then we've got good news for you. Because the Vizio 65-inch V-Series 4K smart TV is now just 348 With all your favorite apps built in, you can stream straight out of the box. You can even sing along to all your favorite music and radio on the iHeartRadio app. Looking for a smaller or bigger screen? Vizio offers unbeatable prices on all V-Series 4K smart TVs. Head to Walmart.com today and score the 4K TV you've been waiting for. What's up, Open Floor Globe? I'm your host, Michael the Pod Pina, and I'm joined on the other line by my good friend, Sports Illustrated senior writer Chris Herring. Chris, March Madness is here. Uh, your Wolverines came back to beat Colorado State after falling into a first-half deficit. That was so huge, my wife, who went to Michigan, left our home and made a target run during the first half in total disgust at her team's performance. Um, Later today, my alma mater, the Delaware Fighting Blue Hens square off against Villanova. My expectations are in the basement, but uh, Kentucky's loss last night gave me some semblance of hope. Um, I'm, I'm rambling a little bit, but my point is that, again, March Madness is here, and it's, it's the only time of the year where I think and care more about college basketball than the NBA. Chris, I'm curious, do you have any NCAA tournament traditions or rituals or just like what were your viewing habits yesterday when it <laughs> kicked off? No, you know what I'm learning? Uh, I'm learning this with a lot of things <laughs> in my life, actually. I'm becoming like that impatient child that unless it's the cartoon I want to watch, I don't stay on the same channel. So NBA games, I'll kind of jump around unless there's one I'm really intrigued by college games. It's way worse, like Mm -hmm. unless it's Michigan. And even if it's Michigan, like if it's a blowout, sometimes I'll be like, you know, if, if it gets to this deficit level, I'm done. Um, so similar to your wife, maybe in that way. Um, maybe a little bit different for a tournament game, obviously. Um, but for instance, like even Michigan's game a week or two ago, a week ago when they lost to Indiana, 
I turned that game off because they were rolling so much and then they lost. So, yeah, I mean, like you, you get burned sometimes where you'll you'll, you know, every now and then I, I really claim it a victory when a game looks to be over and I stick with it long enough to see the, the opposite play out where remember the Clippers came back and beat the Warriors down like 35 or 31 or whatever it was. A the couple Wizards. years ago in the playoffs. Oh, a couple the years Clippers. ago in the playoffs. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Earlier this yeah. season, the Clippers came back to beat the Wizards in a, a at one of the greatest they, they did. I've ever seen. But it's like you always feel kind of like accomplished <laughs> when everybody else has gone to bed and they give up on a game and you're like, I stayed up. Ha ha. Santa came for me, but not for you. <laughs> uh, so every now and then I do that. But yeah, I have a short attention span, but it's great for something like the tournament because there's so many games on at different stages and kind of like different upset levels and the games last night, the games yesterday were really good for the most part. I actually criticized one of them. I hate this too. Cause I really, really like Brad Nessler and I really, really like Brendan Haywood, but the, what game was it last night that I tweeted about? Um, that was, was it the really, Iowa game. No, it was like the last one in one of the regions. Was it Akron? And uh, I can't remember who it was, but the game was really, really good. And um, it was Vermont and uh, Vermont and whoever they were playing. It was a 13 and a four, but it was so weird because I was doing work in the background, sitting in my living room. And um, like, I I looked at the score, I looked up at the screen and there were like three or four minutes left. And it was like a four point game and Vermont was behind and they had just made a basket. And just the audience was so dead and the announcers were kind of dead and sleepy. And I was like, why are they so out of this? (laughs) Because the game seems way better than like the energy in the arena. But people were then tweeting back at me and they're saying, well, they've been playing games that arena all day. And the announcers have had those games all day. So this Mm -hmm. is like their fourth game of the day. It's like 11 something at night. So there's almost too much basketball. But the, the flip side of it is that it's great to watch it on television because there are so many either near upsets or legitimate upsets. So I like it because I only am watching 10 to 15 minutes of each game. But in that you feel like you can still be like, Oh man, I watched this one from the beginning just because you stayed with the upset part of it, which is cool. So I've watched a lot of basketball, but I've only watched like one game. I only watched the Michigan game and that was it. Like start to finish. This may seem random to our listeners, but I'm just going to interject with a tweet that you had um, that really, really got under my skin, Um, Chris, a few days ago or a couple. I don't even know when this tweet was. Honestly, I'm losing track of time, but you tweeted and I have it right in front of me. I brought it up for this for this moment. Um, Our friend Chris Herring tweeted, that's a fantastic tournament game, man. College football will always be the best sport, in my opinion. But March Madness is the most enjoyable spectacle, and it isn't close. Um, Chris, so obviously my beef here is that uh, college football will always be the best sport. Just uh, what were you thinking when you when you tweeted that and you sent that out there? What, just what was going through your head? I'm curious. Just take us into your mindset. Well, I, I could, I could. <laughs> I think I think there's something to be said for look, parody is great, which you get a lot of in certain sports. Uh-huh. You don't have it in college football generally. It, it, it's it's you got some blue bloods in that sport, similar to college basketball. Um I like the fact that it 
Look, I just wrote a book on the 90s Knicks. I like some violence in, in my sports, just a tad, just a just a just a sprinkle. Um, I I think it is wildly corrupt. And so I struggle with it. But I think the NFL is almost worse, if not worse. Um, so I don't watch the NFL. I've said that to you before. I actually think you may be in the same boat. Um, so I don't watch the NFL. But really, for me, I grew up watching college football. My parents met. I mean, I guess we're probably not doing this for video. I'm wearing a Michigan shirt. I have Michigan hoodies all throughout this room. Um, my parents met there as grad students. Um, I'm photographed and, you know, at age two wearing Michigan stuff. And my earliest sports memories are of me and my dad, like watching Michigan football together. Uh, we bonded over that. I mean, we bonded over plenty of stuff, but like we really bonded over that. Um, so for me, that's kind of my first sport that I grew up really loving watching, uh, to love watching. Uh, and I think, you know, I, there's nothing, and you know this if you follow me on Twitter or have to mute me or whatever else, or block me. Somebody blocked me yesterday because of a comment I made. <laughs> whatever. Uh, it was really weird because all it was is that I said that, you know, I upsets, it, it must be horrible to have an upset happen when you're a fan of the team. He's like, this isn't really that big of an upset. He's responding to Kentucky, by the way. I was like, bro, two versus 15 is always an upset. That's he was saying, upset. if if you watch the way we played at the end of the season, I was like, dude, it's two versus 15. And then he blocked me. He's in his feelings. <laughs> but anyway, um, but no, I mean, I just think there, there's, for me, Michigan football will always be my biggest sports love. It's not close. Michigan basketball is not close. Um, anything else for me just doesn't even really register anywhere near that level. Even when Michigan is bad, I still care a lot. It just hurts. So that's the only real loyalty and fandom that I can really relate with. It, it runs deep for me. It makes it my favorite sport. It, to me, it, it really has the potential to be the best sport. Like when I think to the best games I've ever watched, I was there for the 2016 game seven, um, Cleveland and, and the Warriors and everything. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I guess I've never had to grade across sports before, but if I had to like weigh that versus like the Reggie Bush, Vince Young title game, like I just think there's something about the pageantry of college football, the marching bands. I don't know. There's something about it. Maybe it's the violence. Maybe I'm underplaying the violence. Maybe that's all it is, but the helmets, I just, there's something about the college football scene that I love in a way that I can't really describe as well as I wish I could, but um, I love the NBA, but like it was something that developed for me later than college football did. Chris, you know, this is just me letting you know that you, no, no tweet goes unnoticed from me. And <laughs> so well, you, I have, we have the, we have the neighborhood watch for tweets now. Okay. <laughs> okay. They're peering out the window. Okay. The, Michael. The, the, the sirens went off when I saw this, I threw it in our group chat with with uh me you rohan and our, our friend jeremy Wu, and i just i i it, it it was it was just an incredible tweet from you so i just want you to know that every time that you think of something and you want to air it publicly that i'm i'm watching you chris hey man so. you know what but I, I i bet i'm not alone though like i've covered the league for 10 years now i love it i legitimately love the sport i hope people can tell that from the way i talk about it from the uh, passion that I have when I talk about it or, you know, in some cases write about it. Um, I don't know that everybody would say it's like their favorite sport just because they cover it though. You know, I, and for me, I don't know that I would want to cover college football because I do enjoy it so much, but I also have like a clear, clear, clear favorite 
Um, to me, I don't know. To some extent, I, I like compartmentalizing, like just being able to enjoy that without having you. to pretend, you know, uh, that I don't have a favorite or like, a you know, a team that I'm rooting for. But it's probably different for everybody. It's probably different for you. Um, you know, so I but I love college football. I love and I feel like I can more easily just sit and watch college football games and not care who's playing than I can with basketball, not necessarily NBA because that's work. But like for college basketball, I can't just sit and watch a college basketball game. It is brutal to do. Uh, we sometimes. will we will derail the pot if I get into why I can't watch college basketball. Did you see that tweet that made the rounds yesterday? That uh, who was it that uh, one of the the smaller schools they just did the flex the play where they just kept flexing to the free throw line. It were like five <laughs> sequences in a row, and somebody took like a contested two, and they were like, "This is people really want to claim college basketball is better than pro." Um, I'll have to find I, it. I I'll, I'll look for it while we're out here. Please don't, brutal, don't, don't even send that to me. I don't want uh, it bro, I, in my I'm life. It's, it. it's so ugly. Okay. Um, <laughs> on today's show, we will be digging into some tanking teams and their relationship to the draft and lottery. And, and um, we'll also open up the mailbag and take a look at RJ Barrett and the Knicks, among some other topics. But first, a quick reminder to our wonderful listeners to please keep your emails coming to openfloormail at gmail.com. That's openfloormail at gmail.com. Okay, Chris, let's start with some very important news on the injury front. Um, In a loss against the Boston Celtics on Wednesday night, Steph Curry sprained his foot when Marcus Smart collided with him while diving for a loose ball. There was no structural damage, but Curry is out indefinitely and will undergo further evaluation with specialists in the coming days. Uh, Right off the jump, I mean, we should say that he's expected to, preliminarily, is expected to be back for the playoffs, so it's not, you know, the worst news in the world. But just what was your reaction to that play and kind of the fallout, the news that came from it? I mean, it it, it sucked. Um, I tend not to overreact to stuff like that where someone's just playing hard. And frankly, you know, it actually was an even cleaner play when I saw the replay of it than it was in real time. Uh, By no means was Marcus Smart trying to hurt him. I think sometimes people, I'm not going to like reduce it to people being in their feelings um, in terms of the people that kind of, were, you know, Steve Kerr, for instance, and like the fans, the Warriors fans or anything like that. I think people get way more uptight when it's a superstar that gets hurt. Um, LeBron with the play, was it last year? It was two years ago. Um, no, it was last Solomon year. Hill. Le- Solomon Hill. Yeah. yeah. When, when he dove and, you know, and the same thing uh, when it was Kawhi a few years ago, this stuff happens a lot. I just think it, it, gets way, way, way more noticed when it's a legitimate superstar. And I think we're more sensitive to it as well, just like Steph is physically more sensitive to it because of what we know about his injury history. So mm-hmm. it, it sucks, but it wasn't, I mean, it was like, a, a, it wasn't even a hard-nosed play. It was like, a, it was just Marcus Smart diving for a ball. Um, so I have no problem with that. I mean, I just, it, it sucks that Steph gets hurt. I think a lot to myself, I don't say it out loud because it would, feel like a jinx or something, but um, I think so much about how often Steph was injured at the beginning of his career um, and really how he's really in a really nice sort of way 
kind of gotten past a lot of that, especially those sorts of injuries to where mm-hmm. we kind of forget how injury prone he was at the beginning of his career to the point where at one point he only had the $12 million salary for how great a player he was and had, you know, he'd shown the potential to be. So I, I get it. Um, it just sucks. And it, you know, for Warriors fans, it sucks for Steve Kerr. It sucks because you've been waiting to have your team whole and you've had it now for what, two games. Is it a game and a half? Yeah. Um, so it's, it's not, it's not what you want there. Um, it does not kill their chances of, of, you know, of anything they want to accomplish, but I do think it just sucks from that standpoint. And I also do have the thought that it probably not that it should matter, but seating wise, you, you would probably feel a lot better right now about the Grizzlies than you do about the Warriors for the number two spot. Yeah. We're going to get into the seating talk and the, and the, the effect that that will have Curry's absence will have on that real quick. I just want to say, I don't like, I, I honestly was surprised. I watched the game live. I was surprised that, talk of it being dirty even like a dirty play even popped up to be honest i was like it's because it was stepped this guy dove for a loose ball what do you want him to do it's like he i i I was shocked that steve kerr's reaction was his reaction i was shocked after the game when steve kerr called it a dangerous play i don't understand what steph curry bent over to pick the ball up marcus smart dove for it it's a physical game Chris, you love violence. You admitted that 10 minutes ago. <laughs> it's like, I, I honestly, I just don't even get it. Like, I, I um, oh. if, if Curry got up and walked it off, which w- could have easily happened, does anyone call that a dirty play? Is that even a conversation? If it hadn't been Steph, nobody's calling it a dangerous. That's what I'm saying. It's like, it's, I think, and I, I think a lot of people would own that, that they would say, mm-hmm. you should have been more mindful of who you were diving around, essentially is what I think people would say. Which that's a wild thought, but I guarantee you that's how a lot of people are thinking about this is just don't don't put yourself in a position where you might hurt a superstar. And I I think if people were just if they thought about what they were thinking and what they were feeling and what they're saying, that's why it bothered so many people so much. But it it happens all the time. And, it you know, it was really unfortunate that happened with him Um, very easily could have done that. And maybe Steph tweaks it for a second and pops back up. It's not even something we're talking about at that point. Um, but it wasn't, and it's, you know, it's something they'll probably keep him out a few weeks. And I just hope he bounces back. Of course you don't want to see it happen, but if you also, it is a physical, it's still a physical sport. It's not football, but it's a physical sport. And, um, I mean, we know that Marcus smart is always going to play that way. And quite frankly, it's part of the reason so many people love the way he plays. And I think that's okay. Okay. So let's get into how this impacts golden States. I guess their title chances. I mean, Curry is only supposed to be out a, a couple weeks, a few weeks, um, back for the playoffs. But Golden State's schedule is well. First of all, we should say that Steph Curry is like, even when Draymond was out, Steph Curry was everything. A bad and man. the Golden State Warriors, their offense was still very good without him. Um, with him, I should say. And fell off a cliff without him. I was looking at some of the lineup data right before we started recording. And I want to I ask you, out of, out of the top 15 five-man units that the Golden State Warriors have played this year in terms of minutes, minutes played, how many of those 15 lineups do you think Steph Curry has been a part of? I'm going to ask you to repeat it. Or I'll, I'll try to say it back, and I want to just make sure I have it right. 
of the top 15 lineups they have, how many of them is step a part of? Yeah, how many, how, many do, how many is, no, in, t- in terms of minutes played, top 15 five-man units, how many does, is Steph in for the Golden State Warriors this season? 15 five-man. Um, I feel like you always got to go with the extreme here. So um, <laughs> Zero. I'm going to say <laughs> that he's part of 13 of them. 14, very close, Chris. 14 out of 15, which is just incredible. He's a he is the Golden State Warriors still. So you look at their um, their schedule uh, coming up, and it's not a cakewalk. There's a lot of teams that they they have this upcoming road trip against teams that aren't, you know, I mean, there's like the Wizards, the Hawks, teams that aren't crazy good or anything, but teams that have some investment, I think, still in the last few weeks of the season in trying to win. And the, the Hawks obviously don't have John Collins, who um, last night we learned that he'll be out indefinitely with his own foot injury. So that's a bummer. But, um, they, you know, they, they play the Heat. Um, they, have, they have some tough opponents coming up. So it's just going to be really interesting because you look at the standings and who they're ahead of and who they've just fallen behind. You know, right now they're in third place. Right behind the Memphis Grizzlies. They're just in front of the Jazz, the Mavericks, and I think they're safely ahead of the Nuggets in that six seed. But you look at how far ahead it is just when you talk about the so the Jazz. And then three and a half games with essentially what three weeks left. How much more time do we have now? Something like that. Three weeks or so. Yes. Three up in the last column. Three up in the last column. Yeah. It'll be interesting. It'll be interesting. We'll see. I don't know what their schedule looks like. It's interesting. Either way, um, they could, without Curry in all these games, like they could go on a losing streak. That's not out of the question. You have Clay, this version of Clay Thompson who's who had a really nice game last week against the Bucks, but he's still kind of working his way back. Yeah. Um, you have Draymond who's on this minutes restriction. Um, I mean, I don't, I don't even think Clay's playing in back to backs. So it's it's going to be Andre Iguodala still out. I, I, are they going to fall? Are they going to fall to six men? Falling no, to not six. six. But they 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 could fall. They could fall. They to could fifth, fall to though. five. They could fall to five. They could Dallas has been playing great. Dallas has been playing great. Utah has oh, been playing boy. really good. So yeah. that that glance at the standings just has me kind of like, okay, what like the yeah. Warriors' title chances are? They've taken a kind of a severe hit here. I feel like, and I was not worried. Um, you know, we had a conversation a few weeks ago about. Are you concerned with the Warriors? Um, and I was just like, you know, if Draymond comes back and looks like Draymond, I'm not concerned. But their path now, if they let's say, even, let's say even if they stay in third, first round matchup against Nikola Jokic, that's not that's not. I don't good. want that. I don't. That's not. I would prefer. And Jamal Murray's on the way back. Uh, like he he's with the G League team now, right? Or mm-hmm. is about to. Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't like it, Michael. I don't like it. I don't like it. <laughs> so they they drop. If you drop, basically, like your first round matchup. If you drop to if the if the Utah Jazz or the Dallas Mavericks catch you, like you're going to be playing one of those teams. If you get the fifth seed, you're not even going to have home court against a Ma- the Mavericks or the Jazz. Which I guess, like, my question is: 
is it more likely, in your opinion, that the Warriors could actually lose in the first round than make it to even just the conference finals? Is that like where we're at with this team, or am I being a little well? A the, little the funny eccentric? thing, the funny thing was, I thought your question was a bit extreme when I first read it, but that was also me kind of thinking from you know. It's also been really hard to kind of reconcile the Warriors all year because remember at the beginning of the year, they were kind of all everybody was talking about them and the Bulls seemingly, you know, because of the way the season started. Mm -hmm. Then Steph slowed down. Uh, The Suns kept up what they were doing and they had their long like 18 game win streak or whatever it was, including, you know, a time where they beat the, the Warriors. And then we've slowly started to watch like the Warriors kind of fall Draymond's injury. But even when that first happened, the Warriors were still so far out in front of everybody else because the jazz were so far behind everybody else. And then the Grizzlies just have gone nuts. So it's, it's, you've had to think about like three or four different iterations of where the Warriors are in the standings. And I think based on all that, when I read your question in our outline about, is it realistic, almost more realistic that they get knocked out in round one, as opposed to making the conference finals, I was assuming that they would fall no further down than three. But now looking at where the standings are, how many more games are left, it's completely realistic that, I mean, that they finish maybe fifth. And if you're talking about that, them not having home court advantage and them having to play at best a you know, not even at best. I mean, like the team you would want, if you had your choice of anything right now, I'm guessing you would probably want like what the T Wolves to somehow sneak into. First yeah, of all, the gonna... sneak, you would hope for that. Like maybe the T Wolves somehow work their way up to five. And then you play them as part of a four or five matchup, but I don't see that. <laughs> I don't think. And even the T Wolves are not like a. I don't. I don't. I would. I, I wrote this earlier in the week. I would not want to play Minnesota. Like I, I'm sure Golden State's not afraid of them at full strength, but I don't want that matchup. But like of the ones that you're looking at, realistically, that's easily the team you would want to play, and that seems unlikely based on where the standings are. So I mean, I don't want a Utah matchup. I really don't want to have to play Luca in a first round, and I don't want the the reigning MVP. So looking at your question through that prism, is it more likely that they get knocked down around one in the conference finals? I think it's a push, but I just think, I mean, you're not doing it to make the conference finals at this point with where Steph is in his career. You're trying to make, you're trying to win the whole thing. And I just think it's a, it's a tough path at that point um, where from the three spot, I don't feel horrible about it. But if you start talking about four or five in that range, and yes, I mean, six would be unlikely, but it's it's possible. And I, I don't know. I guess you're playing the same teams at that point anyway, but it's just I don't I don't like I don't like it. I really don't like it. The more I think about it now, I didn't think it was that big of an issue, but the standings looking that way, I, I really don't like I mean, it, it, you, you benefit a lot from being the two seed, I think, as opposed to the four it's or huge. The five. It's a it's, huge difference now. It's humongous. Um the I mean, if you're Golden State, first of all, even if Steph comes back right before the playoffs begin, one of Steph's greatest qualities is his conditioning. His first most impressive quality is obviously the, sh- the shot making like and the space and the gravity that he creates when he's on the floor. 
But like the way he runs around to create those opportunities for everybody else coming off screen, split actions, all of it. What condition is he going to be in when he gets back? You like this team is just I don't think people understand how valuable he is to this team's identity and just the entire offensive system that they play with. And you can't just like there's no way to kind of manufacture that on the fly. So I I mean if you're the three and let's say you you escape the Nuggets in the first round, all of a sudden you gotta play the Grizzlies probably in round two, or if you fall to four and somehow you beat the Jazz or the Mavs um in the first round, then you gotta play the Suns in round two. Like I'm Nobody looking at the path. Play the Suns either, by the way. No one should want that. Yeah, so the, just the path here for the Warriors is is uh, it's a gauntlet. It's it's looking it's looking tough. I don't know. I'm I'm not high on them right now after this injury and them kind of refinding or rekindling the early season magic that they had. Um, I am high on some of their young pieces: Moses Moody, Jonathan Kaminga. Obviously, Wiseman is just not going to be a part of the picture right now. Um, but I don't. Is there anybody in the West you would even want? To, like, who do you look at of the teams in the picture? We'll go to the top eight because, like, sign me the hell up to play the Lakers. But um, <laughs> aside from that, like the Clippers, I, I could, you know, I you should feel pretty good about playing the Clippers just based on like, if you, if you know Paul George and Kawhi aren't there, they're tough and they play tough and they certainly have shown an ability to, to win without those two, Mm -hmm. but everybody else other than that is 11 games over or better. (laughs) The top seven of the West. That's insane. I mean, we, yeah, I I mean, I, I guess the East doesn't look that different though. As I'm looking at the standings now, it's just, a, I mean, I guess you, it's one of those years where you've got teams that are really good and really bad, and there's not much in between. You have the Clippers at 500, and you've basically got the Hawks, the Hornets, and the Nets right there. But every, and I mean, we all know what we know about the Nets, but maybe it's just a year where you've just got so much stratification. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just, you know, like I said the other day, the, the T-Wolves, which somebody told me the other day, don't call them the T-Wolves. We don't like that as fans. Like it was like a slur. So the, the wolves. Yeah, <laughs> I was really kind of like, I'm sorry I offended you. Uh, uh, maybe there's a better reason. But I don't know what the reason is, but like, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll call them the wolves or the Timberwolves. Um, you know, th- there's just I think the difference is there's just so much star power there where like it's, it, it's not that big of a stretch to think that Anthony Edwards goes off for two games. It's they can defend. They really have two, three, four guys that you feel good about taking a defensive matchup, they're going to take pride in it on that team. They have some experience on that team. Um, and Carl Anthony Towns can theoretically be the best player in a series with some of these matchups that they would have, particularly if certain guys are hurt. Um, mm-hmm. 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 I don't know, man. I just, I'm not excited to play anybody in the West. And when you talk about a team that's coming off of a major injury from somebody, not major, but like a Steph injury, that will keep him out a few weeks. A team that is still trying to gel again, that has played together plenty, but has not gelled yet. Um, they looked great in those moments that Draymond was out there, you know, in his first game back, but we're not playing a good opponent. 
Clay, you mentioned it well, and so I don't have to really go over it too much, but a guy that is, how do I put this without, like he's had so much time off, so it's completely understandable, but I kind of feel like from the first game he was out there coming back to now, it more than I remember previously, there are a lot of times that he feels like he's forcing the action in an effort to try to kind of get back to where stuff was a couple of years ago, which, like I said, I get it. Um, it's a team where other guys are going to get shots. I mean, Wiggins has become a part of that, a bigger part of that group. You've mentioned their young guys. Steph is Steph, and it's going to go off for his. Um, but Clay, I mean, there's a lot of times where Clay's really not moving the ball very much. It, it It's a team that still needs some gelling, even after all the accomplishments they've had together as a trio and beyond that. Um, they could really use the the work without it being like a high pressure moment. They can handle that, but I just don't love the idea of having to do it against this much talent, uh, particularly if they don't even have home court advantage. Um, so we'll see. It, it's going to be really, really interesting. I'm more interested in the East, but all of a sudden the West just seems like a death match, death march at this point. Yeah, I just, my thing is I can't picture some of these teams in the West not making it to round two. I guess to your point, I kind of feel the same way about the East, but there's some high stakes too, man. Think about like Utah. Exactly. If Utah doesn't get out of here, Utah's done. You gotta exactly. blow that thing up. One hundred percent. You got Utah. I can't imagine, honestly, what after watching Dallas play the past I don't even know, a long time. And then since the trade deadline they've been great. But right. I I just can't imagine Dallas losing three years in a row in the first round. Like I can't it doesn't even it doesn't. I don't can't process it, and so it's just like with some of these teams, they gotta lose, and it's gonna be. Man, Utah Dallas would be a hell of a series. Holy hell! All right. Anyway, man, be this tough. is okay. a lot to think about. Yeah, <laughs> it is. It is. We have we have Bring a long on the time. playoffs. We have a long, exactly. We have a long time to worry about it. CNN Underscore's Guide to Sleep has tons of recommendations for products that can help you get the best night's sleep ever. All right, let's face it. Most of us have had trouble falling or staying asleep at some point. And there are a lot of products and hacks claiming to be the solution to our sleepless nights. That's why the CNN Underscored team spend hundreds of hours testing products to find the ones that can make a huge difference in the quality of your slumber. Visit Underscored.com now for our ultimate guide to getting better sleep. Hey, this is John Ridley. And this is Matt Carey, documentary editor at Deadline. And welcome to Talk Talk. John, we've got a hard-hitting episode today. A lot of controversy. Well, maybe we should put the word controversy in quotes in the documentary field about the nominees for Best Documentary Feature. We're going to get into that with some amazing panelists. You get a shot, but the individuals behind every one of those images, they're complicated and they are human. This has been Doc Talk. Thank you. Great conversation. Let's open the mailbag here. We got this fun one from Colin who writes, Hey guys, I had a quick question about the point of tanking if you don't end up with a top three pick. Mm. The Blazers have thrown this season away, which I think was the best course of action. However, I am a little worried if their pick stays at seven or eight. There is a chance they get the Pelicans pick, but that's more than likely going to be late in the lottery. Obviously, a top three pick changes everything. But what do you guys suggest the Blazers do if the lottery does not go their way? Also, shout out to Ime Udoka for being a Portland State University grad, killing it in the NBA with yet another year without the Vikings going to the dance. I'm going to have to root for the Seas this spring. 
Uh, Colin, greatest ending to an email in open floor history. Congratulations. <laughs> um, <laughs> so uh, I guess before I throw it to you, Chris, I actually want to throw it to our wonderful producer, Shelby, noted uh, Blazers <laughs> super fan. Um, I, there's no other opinion that really matters on this subject. Shelby, wh- just what are your thoughts? I know you saw um, the Blazers in person on Wednesday night when they um, were spanked by the New York Knicks at Madison Square Garden. But just what, what, are, what are, what's your feedback on this on this question? What's your answer? Um, well, if they don't get uh, a top three pick right away, that jumps out to you as not good, and that like that's the whole <laughs> point of tanking. It does. But yeah, when you kind of step back and look at it, wasn't Lillard like the sixth pick? Fair. Wasn't McCollum like... Shelby bringing the analysis. 11th oh, yeah. pick. Simon's going to be an all-star next year. He was like the 24th pick. Oh! I <laughs> love it. love it. Shelby breaking news. So, you know, I, I trust their draft process i mean mm-hmm. this year little he's gonna be a good role player zach collins i mean he would have been good if he wasn't like made of glass so <laughs> you know he's not like a bust in that sense uh simon's great pick mccollum great like when they've had a first round pick which is like a lottery high pick which is rare they've done not too bad with it so I can, I'm trusting him on there, but uh, uh, top two, top three, that's, you know, the top. When they got Odin, people didn't, I don't think they were like, that was a surprise. Like, they were it low was. in the lottery odds. So, you know, it could happen again. It was. They ha- So, Portland has a, according to tankathon.com, a 32% chance of a top four pick. A 7.5% chance of getting the first overall pick. They've lost two in a row. Um, they've lost eight of their last 10. And I guess my, before we kind of expand this and, and break this out into a greater conversation about the lottery and tanking teams and just the picture right now, if you're Portland and you don't get a top three or a top four, well, let's, let's, say, let's just say top three for the purpose of this discussion. And you're Damian Lillard. Are you like you better trade that pick, or you better trade me? Like what? Like because I understand what you're saying, Shelby. With you know their ability to get a talented player later on outside the top three, but yeah, like what is what is Dame's frame of mind if you don't have success in this year's lottery? Do you think? I'm probably thinking he's looking to trade the pick. Like they have a pretty good uh core like i think like update uh, simon's going up with lillard in the starting five that's like an upgrade i guess they'll bring back nurk which i mean you might say okay that that experiment is kind of run its course maybe he's back but like yeah, michael have to, the same face right now <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's <laughs> It's trouble. Go ahead, Shelby. Yeah, I don't. I don't love this, but go ahead, buddy. Well, when they're trying to recruit, like I think that's going to be their major thing. They're going to do. Like fans may think, like, okay, that's not going to work, but that's clearly the thing that they're going to try to do. So, 
I think he's probably going to want to play like this is like the end of his prime or entering sort of Lillard's the end of his prime. If they get like a top three and they can pair him up with like Paolo Bancaro or Jabari Smith, I think he'd like somebody who's going to be playing and could be good right away versus like a McCollum when he was drafted, like Simons. Okay, we're thrilled when you're playing great by year three, but he's not like he's not going to be interested in that. Nobody is. The team's not. So I think they're going to trade it if they get a top, not in the top three. Shelby, shout out to you. That was incredible. Blazers analysis. We really have the number one. It was good. One, like, there's really no competition when it comes to breaking down what's going on in Portland. So thank you. Good, sir. Appreciate you um, I do have coming a point. on. Oh, you do? Yeah. Sh- please share it. And Chris, this involves you. Okay. <laughs> How? I haven't been to the Knicks game before at the Garden. Uh-huh. And I haven't been to a basketball game since like 08. Oh, wow. So I'm wondering, did they make it louder since then? <laughs> every every play, no matter what, the organ's going or there's yeah. like a beat playing and it's like there's this it's like a big show and there happens to be a basketball game playing. Does it we, feel like does it feel like too much to you? It's way too much. It's too yeah. loud. Turn it down. Pick your spots for the organ. Pick your <laughs> spots for Shelby's about to ask people to get off his lawn in a minute. Um. <laughs> I'm like listening to the, I, I I don't know like you can I get like when a player is like screaming like how can anybody how can they hear each other? I first no. of all I agree 100 percent with what you're saying, Shelby. It's way too loud. Um, some of it's artificial noise, like artificial crowd noise. I'm not saying MSG does that, but there are places where I've watched NBA games that definitely do that, and it's an embarrassment. Um, I also love how you are somehow blaming Chris for the noise level and the volume <laughs> at MSG. That was, that was great. Well, let's let's. It was my up. last sign off before I left the beat. Um, this is but he's our right next though. Movement. But this is he's right from this standpoint, because I know for a fact, um, first of all, like I mentioned this in my book about the 90s Knicks, that them, the Lakers, I don't know if the Nets do this. There's a couple of places where they have special like it's not stage lighting, but it's it's a different grade lighting than other arenas have. And I think it does have something to do with the idea of like a Broadway showtime sort of effect for like, this is a special event. Um, so that's lighting, that's not sound. But because of all that, and I think because people had started to have internal conversations about like, are we getting too far removed from just like the purity of enjoying the game itself? So Michael might remember this, but I think it was three, four years ago at this point where they just had like a silent game. Yeah, where Draymond. All they did, and Draymond they, was upset. It's because it's like it's weird. It's like a high school theater performance or something where there's like no real special effects, but it's it's church silent. Um, I think you realize to Michael's point that the the artificial noise actually bolsters a lot of what we hear on television. I think teams have gone ham with it even more since the bubble when they had to use it. Um, But the Knicks were one of the teams that tried that or they were like the team that tried it. And everybody that I heard from said it sounds just like it's it's kind of eerie to hear that. So th- there's there's a balance. And I think that 
one probably goes a little bit too far. I like when certain teams lean into it. Like I like Atlanta because their Oregon player is so unique. Also, he's playing like the top 40. Um, mm-hmm. So it's, it's kind of enjoyable from that perspective. But I don't but... need it on every play. <laughs> Let it breathe. If, I mean, yeah. honestly, ask a Knicks player if you can. Like, does, do you just hear that in like your sleep? Probably like no one like were they playing it during like last season when nobody was in the stands? Um, pr- I think again, they did. probably more. Yeah, probably I more to did. cover up the gaps in the noise. I, I could be totally wrong. It's hard to remember from like season to season, but I guarantee you, if you ask the players now, you'd probably have to ask like a rookie who played at like a, a school that wasn't you know, or even if they played at Duke, it's just a different sort of noise. Um, but it's. I mean, it's it's so constant and persistent during the game that now I, I imagine some of those guys can't remember what it was like before then because it's so in your face. But I think that's kind of like New York is like stuff is so busy and it's maybe it's not done that way because of that. But it like it, that's kind of how it feels. And so it doesn't completely stun me. I don't it, have a problem it, with the crowd, the fake crowd noise, really. But like, I don't need like a little John beat if it like at every like give it a second, guys. Give it he a said little John beat. It is. It was an Usher 03 Usher in there. No, Shelby, you're exactly right. Um, we'll try so to funny. we'll try to direct this to the proper authorities. And that's Rohan's why a- they're not playing like great for years. They're like, there's too much going on. <laughs> Rohan's that would gonna be an be- interesting idea if that was why. If that had something it, to do with it, interesting. It, they're never too afraid to say anything. It but they do isn't. they do complain about the idea of uh, you know people go off at the garden. It's such a big event to play at the garden. Does the garden play into some of that by making it such a to do by making every single point a game of Tetris or something? You know, I don't know. I I have not thought about this, but this is why. In all seriousness, I'm, I'm we're laughing, we're joking to some extent about certain things. This is why I like hearing from people that just love the sport and love going to the games, love watching the games. And then when they're in the environment, they pick up on something that Michael and I probably take for granted a little bit because it is different. You're right. I it knew it was going to be defense and with like that type of thing. I knew there was going to be the Oregon, but I thought they like stopped for like 15 seconds. It like they never no. stop. No, they don't. It's brutal. That's fascinating. Um, so I was real quick going to say that uh, Rohan's going to be very jealous because he has a he wants to go on a crusade against this. So uh, we'll p- potentially be bringing it up again when we go on the road in the playoffs and and Rohan's complaining about I don't even know whatever whatever arena he's in watching a game. Um, we're going to ask the square garden not during the playoffs. That's very true. As someone who lives for politics, when a major scandal unfolds... It was shocking. I have to know, what were they thinking? Backroom deals. Huge amounts of money. CIA secrets. Sets off a firestorm in Washington. Affairs. No way this guy's got a mistress. Corruption. I knew I was a dead man. Warning, it's even messier than you thought. United States of Scandal with Jake Tapper, Sunday at 9 on CNN. Hi, I'm Antonia Blythe, and this is 20 Questions on Deadline. Joining me today is Alison Bree. 
Welcome, Allison. We got second place in my seventh grade lip sync contest for one of the songs on that album. The one that was like, you've already won me over. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. It's a very all slow. The, all the options. In spite of me. Like, what did we do? It's so slow. <laughs> Don't forget to listen to 20 Questions on the Deadline. Thank you again, Allison. Thank you. Okay, I think that, that that's a great way to segue into these these. These big picture questions that I had for you, Chris. Um, thank you, Shelby. Um, which, so we're talking about the lottery here in the spirit of March Madness and NCAA tournament and everything. Just got me thinking about, you know, the future of some of the worst teams in the league. Because we spend a lot of time talking about the Warriors, talking about the Nets, Sixers, Celtics, all these teams that are really good this year. But... Which I, I I posed a couple questions to you, and one of them was which three lottery teams do you do you Chris Herring most want to see land a top three pick? And I come from this I, I come entering this exercise as someone who does not watch college basketball at all, who uh, has a very vague understanding of who the best players are. I basically just know their names and know their broad skill sets and have gotten a chance to glimpse a little bit of them from their conference tournaments and the NCAA tournament um, if they've played a game yet. (laughs) Um, But I think that we're still able to understand that uh, some of these guys, there's a few, who could be franchise trajectory-altering talents. Um, That seems to be... The skinny on them, no pun intended, um, for for one of the players. But uh, Chris, give us give us your third, um, the team num- number three. We're gonna go in reverse order. Number three, the team that you most want to see land a top three pick in this year's lottery. Oklahoma City. Um, oh, okay. I was not expecting Oklahoma that. City. Uh, I mean, they they have obviously some young talent. It is astounding how much more competitive sometimes they look when Shea Gilgis Alexander's out there. Uh, that was the truth last year as well. Where if you look at it last year, because I was curious the other day, uh, I think they lost, but they had a game that they almost won. And I was like, I wonder what their win loss is with just him. And I think last year they were something like 16 and 17 when he played, which is like insane. And it also speaks to why presumably we all looked at them last year when they started holding him out saying he was injured um, that maybe they did that because they were too competitive with him in the lineup. Um, But, you know, I I would like to see them hit on some of this lottery stuff in part because I don't, you know, people have laughed and joked for the last couple of years about how much asset collection they're doing um, and how Sam Presti's just stockpiling. I'm not interested in seeing like a 10 year stockpile. Like I want to see them actually start transitioning at some point. Hasn't been that long since they've really, you know, traded everything away, but it's been a while now. Like Russ now has been on where Houston, no Houston, Washington, and then LA. So we're now talking about three years removed from the complete teardown. Is it three years? Yeah. It's been three years now. Um, At a certain point, you want to start seeing some transition happen. And they've obviously got a couple pieces that they've identified that like should be there. 
But I feel like the sooner they hit on the next big one that, you know, if they get a number one pick somehow, they're going to expect a lot out of that player. I don't think they'll trade it away to get, you know, someone established for where they are right now. But no, my they point won't. is, <laughs> my point is you can start establishing that sooner. I don't want to see this be like a 25 year rebuild for them. And granted, I don't think they're doing that, but I don't really want to see it be an eight year rebuild either. I'd like to, you know, three, four years is like a reasonable amount of time to say, okay, we've got the two, three guys. We want to start really building this around. Let's go. And then you could start trading some of the other stuff you have in for not necessarily established guys, but guys that you really believe in that are up and coming or that have started to establish themselves and you trade for them before they'd start making demands, you know, and putting them on your book. So I would really like to see them get one just because I don't want to see this. I'd rather see them get hit big once and then say, okay, now we see the makings of what we're trying to do instead of just spinning this out for the next seven, eight years. So we'll talk. I'll throw my two cents in on the Thunder in a second because they they land on my next question list, top three that we're going to get to in a minute. But my number three for this particular exercise, uh, we already touched on them. It's the Blazers. Uh, they're a team that I feel like if they were to get a top three, I'm just rooting for chaos. Chaos factor here. What happens to Dame? Um, do they keep Dame and then just kind of throw either a Jabari or a or a Chet just on the floor and see what happens there and kind of, uh, I don't even know, kind of build along these two different timelines. How long does that last? Uh, That would just be really fascinating to me. Uh, And I want good things for the Blazers in this post-Lillard world because there's like a, there's a strong possibility uh, Shelby earmuffs that when Dame leaves, they're just going to be a total wasteland. That's just damn when damn. <laughs> so, so I'm, I'm rooting for them. I, I cause you know, I, I like watching every single team in the league and when there's a really bad team and there are several, it's just not fun for us. Our league, our league pass heads. Um, so go blazers. Uh, can I get my number two and then you give your sure, number two, please, Chris, please. My number, my number two is the San Antonio Spurs for similar reasoning. Really? Oh, wonderful. Um, that's the team I had to, yeah, just, you know, I love, it's just fun when the Spurs, um, have that central building block, give them that identity. They already have an intriguing young core that we've talked about ad nauseum, but you have the point guard with DeJounte. If DeJounte, can DeJounte get a franchise big? Can he get a franchise, um, you know, uh, whatever Jabari is going to be, a wing forward who can score and shoot from all over the place? Uh, I think that would be really fascinating and, and give them some more direction. And Greg Popovich could stay on for however much longer he wants to. And mm-hmm. this could be the beginning of of another era of excellence in their organization's history. So that would just be really fun. And so I'm rooting for the Spurs to get a good pick because I don't want them to be that proverbial wasteland either. Does that mean we have to, it does obviously have to root against them as far as, uh, because at this point, man, I think I tweeted, I was probably just nostalgic for great LeBron performances, but I think the first the 50 point game he had against the the Warriors a couple weekends ago, I was like, man, it'd be really cool to see the Lakers make one last run and LeBron just kind of put them on his back. No, it, it wouldn't. I mean, we've watched him do this 
First of all, we all saw that stat a couple of days ago from stat muse which by the way that weird thing they did with their twitter account where they're like you guys are being mean we're going to shield our our tweets from like responses you're not going to be able to respond anymore um and it's like you guys anyway so there there yeah, was a stat, stat they muse. There. i agree real quick that was dumb and stat muse sometimes is wrong with their stats so they like, antagonize people with their stats too i mean like they, they clearly they were like don't look now but russell westbrook's got a higher field goal percentage and stuff it's like they know exactly what they're doing they especially with their brand like they started out being like this highbrow statistical helper and now mm-hmm. it's like they're kind of appealing to like the lowest common denominator so they kind of deserve what they're getting but anyway um what i was going to say is that they had that stat which i've seen at other places since that you know the Lakers haven't won any games, and maybe I think they've gotten one since then, but that they hadn't won any games um, since the All Star break without Bron going for fifty. That they were like zero and eight <laughs> in games where Bron didn't go for fifty. So there was that brief little fleeting moment where I'm like, you know, I got caught up and swept up. I'm like, oh man, it'd be really cool to see like LeBron just go ham and for the Lakers to just, him to carry the Lakers on his back. It would not be fun. Like I don't really want to see that playoff matchup at all with them or anybody at this point. So now we're at a stage where it's realistic. I don't think it'll be the Blazers, but it could be. I don't think it'll be the Spurs, but it could be. And it's probably more realistic that it would be them that they could theoretically leapfrog the Lakers, at which point they would not be eligible for the lottery. I don't think, right? I don't know how the draft picks work anymore with regards to, I I imagine it's not based on standings. It's probably based on plan results. So if the Spurs make it as the 10th team, but then make it through the plan, make the playoffs as a plan team, they they would not be a lottery team, right? You can't be a lottery team once you play yourself in. I don't know these things. Like this is still pretty new. But anyway, I'm I I would love to see the Spurs make it because I feel like they would give teams a better run for their money than the Lakers would. But I don't want to see the Spurs not get a lottery pick. Because I think they Deserve one. They've got a, a really fun young team. I would love for Pop to have like one last go with a team that matters. Uh, I don't know how it works with regards to the lottery and with regards to playing stuff. Um, Chris, you said the quiet part out loud because I don't have the answer to that either. But uh, yeah, that actually that's a really good question. Some of maybe an emailer can can set the record straight for us because our listeners are smarter than we are. Um, <laughs> Way smart, but. Okay, yeah, so I agree with you. I think we'll uh I would rather them have a lottery pick than make the play or play in or like that's just come on. Like I, I know I feel that, that way, but I don't want to watch the Lakers in the playoffs, bro. I don't want it. Don't want it. They're not, not even for okay. one game. Go Pelicans. Okay, so <laughs> my number one team that I want to see land a top three pick is the Detroit Pistons and Chris last week, you and I, we broke down rookie of the year. Um, I am still writing a story about Kate Cunningham and I've been watching every, he's been out the last couple of games because of some, he's just got the flu or some stomach bug or something like that. Um, unfortunately, but I love their core. I should say, I love Cade and I love Sadiq Bay. And they have cap space. And if they were to get Chet or if they were to get Jabari, those are the two names that just really make a lot of sense to me. 
in a few years, based on just how I think Kate is going to develop, this team is just going to be a, like a monster. Like I think Cade is just going to be, he could be an all-star next season for all I, like he's that good to me. Um, and if you get like giving him real talent, like lottery top three type of blue chip talent around him, um, give him that. And I just, it could get really scary. So that's what I want to happen with him. Cause I get really frustrated sometimes when organizations have, are just like totally blessed with players of that ilk, generational talents. And then they just screw it up. I'm not saying the Mavs screwed it up with Luca cause they didn't, but like, I would rather the Pistons get, you know, they already have Sadiq in place. He dropped 51 last night, by the way. Um, I look forward to Aaron Neesmith grabbing two offensive rebounds in the playoffs. That should be a lot of fun. Um, but, like, slow roll it. Um, get a, 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 an incredible talent who's young on the timeline, and then let's let's go from there. That's just what I want with Detroit, so that's why I'm picking them as my number one team to get the number a top three pick. That would be wonderful. Yeah. Yeah, man. I mean, Sadiq went for 51 yesterday, which at a certain point, I don't want people to take this as hating because I, I, I've said on, I, I think, our last podcast, podcast previously, I love Sadiq Bay. Like, he's a really well-rounded player who is getting more opportunities this year. Um, you know, his consistency still leaves something to be desired just a little bit at times. But you could see, I mean, if, if, if he never added anything else to his game, you could see like a he could be an NBA player for a long time just based on like three and D talent. Just kind of he's, he's like a prototypical size for the NBA. Um, but no, I mean this is a team that if they have him and Cade and and Chet Holmgren, like the length that this team would have, uh, they would be pesky as hell. And that's without even knowing like who the other spots are filled by. That's with them having we we can say it. I don't like saying it because he's a young guy and I'm not trying to pick on him or anybody else, but like the Killian Hayes pick has not panned out. I think he's had one of the rougher goes of anybody that's been drafted over the last two years in the first round, mm-hmm. two, three years in the first round. That's so it's, it's hard to kind of blow a pick and still feel like you're positioned really well. But if they are able to hit on this next one, because they have a really good position uh, draft position. Yeah. I mean, it's, you would feel really good about that. Um, they would have plenty of cap space, but you, I mean, you have to do this. I mean, obviously the, the other clear thing that we mentioned off the three, cause I think we had basically, I picked uh, one team that you didn't with OKC, but then, you know, them, the Spurs, Detroit, Portland, the, the common thread here is that these are all really small markets where generally speaking, you've got to overpay to convince people to come there. Or, you know, even if you're not overpaying, because I think the Pistons were offering the same amount of money, to Jeremy Grant as the the Nuggets were, but you had to like promise more of a role than what the Nuggets were going to promise because you can't just convince guys to come play for you when you're in a smaller market that isn't really beloved or anything like that. Um, It's not playing for a title. So you've really got to hit on these picks to kind of show forward development and progress. And uh, yeah, it's hard to imagine them not making that kind of progress if they get a top two, top three pick, if they get the number one pick, so help us because uh, the Pistons could be really, really good in, in the span of just a couple of years. Were the Pistons your number one? They were my number one team as well. Oh, my goodness. That's 
incredible. I, I wow, I'm I'm speechless right now that we both had <laughs> the same top two. CNN Underscore's Guide to Sleep has tons of recommendations for products that can help you get the best night's sleep ever. All right, let's face it. Most of us have had trouble falling or staying asleep at some point. And there are a lot of products and hacks claiming to be the solution to our sleepless nights. That's why the CNN Underscored team spend hundreds of hours testing products to find the ones that can make a huge difference in the quality of your slumber. Visit Underscored.com now for our ultimate guide to getting better sleep. Welcome to the Scene to Scene podcast. I am your host, Valerie Complex. Today, I am chatting with Ji Young Yu. Ji Young stars as co-lead in the six-part limited series, Expats. I think I learn a little bit with every character that I play. I think usually I play a character and it causes enough introspection that I learn something about myself. I honestly can't gush enough about Freaky Tales. I'm so excited to share it with more people. If you like what you hear, be sure to review, like, and subscribe to the Scene to Scene podcast. Okay, so the other question that I had uh, that I want to zoom through real quick um, is which three lottery teams would be most screwed by landing outside the top three? Mm -hmm. And my number three team for this is the Knicks. And, like, (laughs) the Knicks just need, they need it. Like, what are they, like, I don't know what their path is. And I know I said at the top that we're going to talk about R.J. Barrett. We might have to hold that email for the next episode. We'll see. But I don't know what the Knicks are without, like, another blue chip to build around with R.J. Barrett. I I really I don't know what their path is to even mediocrity at this point, to be honest. Like, they were banking on free agency. They were banking on continuity. They're banging on that cap space. I like this season has been kind of an expected return to earth and reality for them. And like, they're a very bad team and they need a franchise player. Frank, I don't know if RJ Barrett is a franchise player. So that's a team that just like absolutely needs it. Like they need something like, like a top three pick right now. I feel, did you have them on your list? I did not. No, I, I mean, I could understand how you get there. Um, I, the team that I had on my list was the Rockets, uh, where I just okay. kind of don't, I, you got little glimpses and little, you know, like for instance, Jalen Green's played better, certainly lately. Um, they've got pieces on that team that I like, but it's kind of the same thing where you're not so, so, so convinced yet that you've got, I mean, I know they're going to really hope with Jalen Green. I know Shingun has been has been you know fun to watch and has been like you know he's shown some real skill and some real talent. I, Jay Sean Tate's been one of my favorite players since he came into the league. Um, but you need more, and it's very clear they need more there. And I just I think when you've got years where you finish right at the bottom of the standings, when you're one of the three worst teams, it just really hurts when you're not a team that is going to get a top three pick out of that. So I had them on my list uh, ahead of the Knicks. Partly just because I also think, too, granted, it's been a long time since we've seen anybody want to go to the Knicks. But I keep thinking in my heart of hearts that like somebody might just want to play there because it's New York. And I think the likelihood of that happening is greater than these other places. Again, Houston's not a small market by any means, but I just think 
you could maybe talk somebody into playing in New York, whereas I don't think you're going to get that necessarily just because of Houston. Yeah, I I guess I'm not as concerned with Houston just because Greens look good, Porter's look good, Shangun is like the next Jokic. Um, I say that half tongue in cheek, but they yeah, also just say. <laughs> they also have just like all these bites at the apple because of the Harden trade. They have all these picks coming. Who knows what's going to happen with the Nets over the next few years? Um, so I'm not. I don't. I'm not. I don't think they're that desperate. I that's guess, fair. That's fair. What, I wasn't even yeah. thinking about that. I just don't like, I mean, I'll tell you the other team that I have on there. Um, I won't say screwed because this is too strong, but I, I, I think and this might tell you the way I thought about the question. Again, I might almost overvalue the idea of like, you really want to see a payoff when you suck this much. Cade, as you said, multiple times now, is really, really good. I mean, he's going to be, he's going to be great very soon. Um, and I think he might start to push you in a range where you're not going to be in this lottery range anymore, certainly two years from now, but maybe even next year. So I, I, again, not screwed, but just a team that I'm like, man, you really would have wanted to finish in the top three this year. And so I put the Pistons on that list too. Oh, Um, okay. Um, so they were one of my other two teams. I hear that. I hear that. That's that's a smart one um, for all the reasons that I just said when talking about Detroit and how a talent like Cade can accelerate your timeline. Um, my other team, so I had the Thunder as my number one team, and I know that I just made that argument about having bites at the apple for Houston. Sure. But if Oklahoma City, who is the most the face of tanking right now in the league, right? <laughs> that, that, that press release that they sit out with like, Announcing people were out there in the season. They sent three of them out. Three people at the same time. I'm like, damn, that's a lot. That's doing a lot. That was wild. So, yeah, if you are just really trying to lose and you were the only team that voted against lottery reform a few years ago, um, it's clear that this is your strategy to get back to being a respectable organization and a competitive organization if you don't get a top four, top three pick again, like I know Giddy's good, but come on. Like you, you, you just need that sure thing, right? Like you, I'm not saying you need KD, but that would help for sure in a market like that, where you have 0% chance of lowering anybody in free agency. And even like acquiring a star in a trade there's only so long before that starts like, all right, like my contract's up in two years, three years, and I can't right. wait to get the hell out of here. Like you have right. to onboard people into your culture from day one and they can't have an experience anywhere else for you to have success. And right. I think that they know that. So I, this is just a team that I'm not saying like they don't have forever. Maybe they, maybe they just have forever to be on this, uh, on this type of rebuild. But it would just be really nice if they could get that definitive young. I know Shea is not old, but that he's already on like a max deal. So that definitive young talent who is the clear face of the franchise for years to come on the rookie scale deal that you can kind of build around. That's that's I just think that they need to 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 get that as soon as possible. I, I hear you. Um, so it's funny. The, the team that you were surprised to hear in my one that I wanted to see 
land a top three. I had OKC. Mm-hmm. You had Portland. Mm-hmm. I had Portland on the one that I think is most screwed if they don't get a top three. Um, which, I mean, for all the reasons that we were saying before that Shelby mentioned that, look, you've at least got a dilemma, a good dilemma, if you land that pick, land a top three pick, because absolutely Dame is probably going to want to flip that. But at least if you flip that, then you've got somebody that can potentially be a running mate for him that could be used as part of that to get somebody else to run somebody next to him. Uh, but if you don't, I mean, like, I just don't know what what's fundamentally changed. And I mean, you can say Simons if you want to, but you've also gotten rid of, of CJ. So I just don't know, like, what's the selling point for him to stay I, I get that a lot of Blazers fans, certainly like homegrown ones, people that live right there in Portland. Look, you're, you're not looking forward to giving him up, certainly, because attendance is still a thing. You want to have that bankable star. And, you know, quite frankly, I think it's it's built more easily out there when that person has longevity, that people fall in love with somebody. You're not going to meet a single person that really doesn't have great things to say about Damian Lillard for the way he represents that organization. I just don't I just don't see like what like if you're if you're trying in your heart of hearts aside from just like the loyalty to the organization what would he be staying for um if you don't mm-hmm. have something that you could use as a trade ship to go out and get somebody else and that's been my question all along is like what means do they have to really improve the team um you know you got some nice stuff back for CJ but this is all forward looking and like kind of futuristic from that standpoint I again, and this is in light of like what we're talking about at the beginning of the podcast with like, look at the road that Golden State may have. Golden State, which is a mm-hmm. roster that is like multiples better than what we look at with regards to Portland. I just don't know how you can look Dame straight in his face and say, we've got a plan to contend like this year, next year. How? I, I just don't see it. Mm-hmm. So I hope they get something. I, I think they're pretty screwed if they don't. Um, but they're also kind of in a range wins wise where, I mean, they have a chance, but it's, you know, they're not going to be favored from that standpoint. And that's the reality of the lottery system now is like, even if you finish bottom three, you still don't have a great chance of getting a top three pick. You've just got a decent one, slightly worse than decent one. Yeah. All wonderful points. My other team for this in terms of team most screwed, not getting a top three is, uh Sacramento Kings we don't need to really explain why just every year <laughs> just give this team I know that they had a top three pick and they drafted Marvin Bagley who's suddenly playing pretty well in uh in Detroit and that's partially why Cade Cunningham is a messiah um, he's just so incredible um so Sacramento needs it needs it it just always does it's just it's a floundering organization that is I don't know where you're going with Sabonis and and De'Aaron Fox besides having a really good offense and maybe making the play-in at some point over the next few years and then Sabonis hits free agency and then he leaves I, I, I don't I don't know what's going on there so please just they need to start over and I, I don't know it's it is what it is in Sacramento um so, 
As I alluded to again, we had a wonderful question written in by an emailer named Ben in Brooklyn about R.J. Barrett and the Knicks. We're going to get to that, I promise, Ben, in the next episode. But we've kind of run out a little, uh, run out of time in this show. We went long talking about loud crowd noises, and so <laughs> apologies <laughs> to you for that. Um, we have a ton of great emails um, that we're going to hit in the episodes to come. Uh, but until then, please keep uh, more coming in to openfloormail at gmail.com. That's openfloormail at gmail.com. Uh, that's going to do it for today's show. Chris, thank you so much for your wonderful insight. Thank you, Shelby, for your insight and your expertise on all things Portland Trailblazers and crowd noise and annoying organ noises. Um <laughs> We're going to be back next week. Thank you so much uh, to all of our listeners as well. Uh, Everybody, please stay safe. Everybody, please continue to enjoy the NBA season. Today's episode is brought to you by the American Society of Magical Negroes, a fresh satirical comedy about a secret society of magical black people starring Justice Smith, David Allen Greer, Ann Lee Bogan, and Nicole Byer. As an official selection of Sundance 2024, the American Society of Magical Negroes has been heralded by critics as an uproariously sharp-edged satire and a must-see. Now playing only in theaters. Visit the American Society of Magical Negroes film.com to get tickets now. Martha Stewart, the original influencer. When I think about anything, I think about the way that she did it first. The media mogul. The six years ahead, she saw what was coming. The prisoner, the rise, the fall, and the reinvention of an American icon. Once Martha paved the road, everybody else pretty much copied her. A CNN original series, The Many Lives of Martha Stewart, now streaming on Max. Billie Eilish and Phineas O'Connell, they're with us today on Crew Call. I'm your host, Anthony D'Alessandro. Billie's vocals. It was automatic art. You know, I had to, like, choose a more challenging route than just, like, da-da-da-da. You know what I'm saying? Like, it could have been, like, easier. And a lot of people have asked me, like, how did you choose to have it be so soft and, like, so simple? And what else was it going to... Like, that's what the song wanted. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Crew Call podcast on Deadline. Are you looking to step up to a 4K smart TV? One that gives you unparalleled clarity and picture resolution? Then we've got good news for you. Because the Vizio 65-inch V-Series 4K smart TV is now just 348 With all your favorite apps built in, you can stream straight out of the box. You can even sing along to all your favorite music and radio on the iHeartRadio app. Looking for a smaller or bigger screen? Vizio offers unbeatable prices on all V-Series 4K smart TVs. Head to Walmart.com today and score the 4K TV you've been waiting for.